Today's guest, Charlotte von Ries, Director Talent Acquisition at Doctorlib. Should love doing technique, being loving data, um, love to learn something new and yeah, being curious actually. I think as a sourcer, you have to be very curious and love talking with people, looking, searching and so on. And that's why actually for me, it was e easy to find sources. And um, yes, 19 direct reports are a lot. Um, but my, I think my way of leadership is more that everybody is taking ownership and is really um, feel responsible for him or herself and his duties. And I'm more like the encourager and the one who's, um, yeah, <laughs> there for the jokes. No, um, but actually like, motivating them and so on. And really, I think it's all about trust also. Yeah. So I'm not at all the controlling kind, kind of leader. I always think um, when you trust people, when you are open to them, um, then um, it works out. This episode is mainly about sourcing. So we talked about different relationships between sourcing talent acquisition and the HR business partner and how to transform an organization that was poorly run by HR business partners doing the talent acquisition and recruiting to a centralized function at Deutsche Bahn with a huge talent acquisition and recruiting function of 120 people and then scaled through to 900 people. So probably the biggest talent acquisition organization here in Germany And then we also talked in a deep dive about sales sourcing, what is the different KPIs, career track, the sourcing function could have. And overall, what are some learnings, best practices on what a good sourcer or good sourcing function looks like. So if you're into sourcing, enjoy the episode. Then you can build trust and then you can spend less time communicating and more time just getting shit done. Then I went home and, and thought about this sentence. We basically put it on the table. Hiring takes time. People are trained. How to objectively judge certain situations. It's very, 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 very hard to change things. That was the learning. Entrepreneurs with empathy. On the people side. Hi, Charlotte. That's really nice to see you again because you were a introduction and referral and recommendation of the next guest from Christine. Um, yes. that's always good that also this kind of guest sourcing is working. So, and we also had a chance to meet each other at the RC23, um, festival last week. So it's now, um, beginning of mid of June. Um, nice to see you and nice to have you as a guest. Yeah, thank you very much um, having you here in your post podcast. And of course, thank you to Christine. She's my former colleague at the Deutsche Bahn. And uh, thank you. I thank uh, Christine that she was, she, yeah, that she recommended me. <laughs> cool. So maybe we start a bit about um, context of yourself. Could you maybe mm -hmm. tell us a bit more? What's your background? What you're passionate about and so on? Yes, of course. Yes, my name is Charlotte. Um, I'm working right now as a director talent acquisition at Dr. Lib. And since one year, so it's my one year anniversary, actually. <laughs> And um, I'm actually totally into sourcing, talent marketing, recruiting, um, yeah, finding people and yeah, inspire people for my company or for um, yeah, new jobs. And this is actually all around me. 
Um, I'm actually living since three years on the countryside. Um, we used to live a long time in Berlin, in the middle of Berlin, in the city center. And actually, uh, three years ago, we escaped to the land, uh, to the, the countryside. My husband is a farmer. And uh, yeah, of course, my kids are really, exp yeah, love it actually being on the countryside. And though we also love to be in Berlin, and that's why I'm very happy to work for Dr. Lip. And that's why I'm really often in Berlin or even also in Paris, where our headquarters is. Nice. I, I also have a, a connection to um, being a farmer because my grandparents right. have been a farmer. And uh, cool. do you also have animals? No, we just have uh, three chickens and a dog. And the rest is all about crops. Nice. Nice. And yes. where is the? Where are you located? Um, actually, close to Frankfurt. So, um, in the middle of nowhere. It's actually one and a half hours from Frankfurt. Ah, nice. Okay, so yes. it was then really um, a good chance to grab you at the festival because you're not regularly <laughs> in Berlin then. Right. <laughs> But actually, I'm really often in Berlin um, because I love Berlin and I've loved to be in the office also. And so that's why I'm traveling quite often, actually, also to Berlin. Okay, cool. And um, you were at Deutsche Bahn and then you did, I think, sourcing mainly, right? Yes. Actually, I started as the first senior recruiter at the Deutsche Bahn in the um, eastern part of Germany. So this was my responsibility. And that was 2012. And when I started, we were 120 in talent acquisition. And now at the Deutsche Bahn, there are, I think, right, 900,000 people working for talent acquisition. So I was the kind of pioneer, actually, um, bringing recruiting to the Deutsche Bahn. So we were like a little startup. We were the, the young and wild recruiters, you know. And now... Oh, I need to I ask think, a question there. Yes. So for yeah. the 120 people, when you joined, yeah. how did the organization yeah. look like when you were the first recruiter, but there were already 120 talent acquisition people there? Oh, we were. We all started new um, as a recruiting startup in the, at the Deutsche Bahn before the HR business partner did the job. And so we oh. were really like the starting point, um, 2012 talent acquisition at the Deutsche Bahn. Um, so um, before the HR business partner did that. And now my job, I think, recruiting doing in, in Eastern Germany, um, I think 120 recruiter doing <laughs> what I did 2012. I was responsible, actually, from, I always say, from, from finding train drivers and lawyers. Yeah, so I was for blue colors and white colors, I was responsible. And now it's divided and into different um, target groups. And also, of course, yeah, different kind of IT recruiting and um, core service recruiting and so on. Yeah. But and when how I did started, you approach it back then? Of course, with, with we didn't have scope, so many. Really yes. Yes, it was. Also, it's it was interesting, of course, and was good. But we really, um, yeah, found out after a while that actually it's better to concentrate on target groups, and that's why I was then responsible for core services. And um, then um, after a while, I was responsible also for the talent sourcing. So after my parental leave, I came back, and actually I was responsible to go, go through whole of Germany uh, doing interviews. And I told my boss at that time, oh, I have three little kids. I can't do this anymore. I have to pick them up and I can't travel to Zürich and to Munich on the same time. Um, so we decided that I'm changing to the sourcing team. 
And uh, there was just, we were just three people there, actually, just a very little sourcing team when you imagine for the Deutsche Bahn. And um, my my boss, she went then to parental leave. And that's why actually I got the team lead position. And then the team grew from three sources to 21. Um, so we were actually responsible for core services, engineering, IT and blue color. And when my boss came back and she saw the big team, <laughs> then we said, okay, how about dividing the team that I'm getting the IT and engineering um, sourcing and she's getting the core services and blue colors. And then the team grew again to 19. I had 19 sources, 19 direct reports. And we were responsible actually for the yeah, real diamonds, finding really um, people for the Deutsche Bahn who have lots of train experience, lot of lots of um, engineering IT skills. And yeah, it was hard actually, but I really liked the challenge. Yes, I have many questions there because I think it's a very interesting <laughs> challenge at that size, right? So there are not so yeah. many talent acquisition organizations with that size. Um, so first yeah. question, how was the transition from moving recruitment away from the HR business partners to talent acquisition? What, what do you think, looking backwards, were some learnings or maybe also some mistakes you made? Yeah, uh, of course, I don't want to blame <laughs> the past. Um, but of course, I think everybody who has have um, has this challenge or this transformation it's good to take always the hr business partner with you and giving him the yeah acknowledgement and saying hey what can i learn from you what can we um do together actually when um i was till 2019 at the deutsche bahn and went then back to otto bock to her um, they are doing um prosthetics orthotics and um wheelchairs And um, actually, I was before I went to the Deutsche Bahn, I was also at this company already. And I had, when I came to Otto Bock, I had the same um, issue or same challenge. The HR business partner did the recruiting. And then I came with my new talent acquisition team. What was actually interesting here, also what I experienced at the Deutsche Bahn, some of the HR business partners said, please take recruiting. I don't like it. Can you please have it tomorrow or yesterday? And other HR business partner were like, mm, I like to go to interviews and I like to have be very close to the to the boss, to the leaders there. And they were like, oh, you are so young, guys. You can't do the recruiting. We are 20 years here and so on. So I, I also had the same challenge at the Deutsche Bahn that we really had to, yeah, give them the 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 understanding that we are having a yeah, different mindset different strategy there doing more like really no only recruiting because when you are a business partner you have such a wide range to do and can't really focus on active sourcing on talent marketing on recruiting though i can understand that they love to go to interviews but when you go to interviews from monday till friday from the morning to the end um, you can't do other things anymore or you can't concentrate on recruiting. So my advice here is actually giving them the, yeah, showing them why it's important um, that you separate recruiting. Second one, still acknowledge what they have done, really saying, cool, what can I really learn from them? And really what I really think it's important to be really side by side, one, one team as a HR business partner, as a recruiter, and not yeah, 
playing against each other actually because at the end the the, um, the teams um, they really want to benefit from HR and then don't, they don't really care if there's a business partner or a recruiter they just want that the job is of recruiting and the people management is done Yes, I totally agree. And this is a problem in many, many companies. And it's also, I think, a hard transition, especially yes. if not all the frameworks are there and the processes are set up. For instance, one yeah. example I know where there is always a, maybe not a fight, but some yeah. tension regarding salary negotiations, right? Let's say there is a headcount plan, but it's not 100% accurate in terms of what is the actual salary we plan for. Mm -hmm. Um And what is the actual salary salary we can start offering? Yeah. <laughs> Because sometimes you make the financial plan at the very um, conservative level with the highest salary, but you don't want to offer immediately the highest salary possible, right? And who is yeah. making this decision? Are the, yeah. Do the managers have the authority? What is the involvement of the HR business partners? What is the freedom um, and responsibility as well from the recruiters and sources, right? Yeah. So did, did you also see problems there? I think that's why I think it's really important to work from the beginning when you are getting a job with the HR business partner already, that you really talk about the job leveling, about what is the range actually and what is the maximum. Actually, I was lucky because I always worked for companies where the job leveling or tariff contract is there. So there wasn't so much discussion. Of course, when you're getting on higher levels, then you have more freedom and then you have more challenges. But I think that's why it's really, really important to um, be close with the, with the team lead, but also with the HR business partner that at the end, there's not a big discussion because at the end, The time counts, yeah. So everybody gets confused, especially the candidate when they are in the three interviews or two interviews and having a case, and then it takes long, a lot of time with the with the salary that they will, yeah, go away and don't trust you anymore. So that's why I think it's good to, yeah, make the make this clear and talk about it um, right from the beginning. In case you like my show, please subscribe. I would really appreciate it. Okay, and when you then had the team centralized in talent mm -hmm. acquisition. How did you then hire so many sources? And also how did you lead 17 or 19 direct reports? <laughs> yes, actually, I don't know. It, it just happened. Yeah. So um, I really had the freedom actually to grow the team and I really believe as a sourcer, you don't have to have the background of um, of uh, HR. So I was really open. Um, I was really, really lucky because I got also one um, IT engineering recruiter who studied engineering and IT. And he said, actually, I was never good at, at IT and never good at engineering, but still I love to do recruiting. And this was a jackpot, actually, because he could really talk on eye level with the with with the leaders about the jobs and also with the candidates. I really love that. And that's why I was actually, I was really open finding sources because I thought all the skills I I have, I can teach them and just the mindset and the mindset should, um, should be okay that they are more, yeah, like customer orientated. And that was enough for me actually. Yeah, so of course we did sourcing tests and so on, but I really my best sources were actually yeah from other businesses, other, other departments, and so on. So I have of course um, for example one uh, of my sources, Yeni, um, he was actually um, he did uh, 
how do you say, bank. So he used to work for a bank and then he changed to the Deutsche Bahn and did his dual student um, there and was actually there. Um, actually, he wanted to go to the yeah delivery and going into the service of the ICEs. And um, then I hired him as a sorcerer. He is still after more than 10 years a sorcerer and he's a very good sorcerer. Yeah. So actually, I think for me, it was important talking with people really getting understanding what is the mindset behind it how do they talk with you how do they what do they understand as a service and then they are a good sorcerer and of course they should know or should love doing technique being loving data um love to learn something new and yeah being curious actually i think as a sorcerer you have to be very curious and love talking with people looking, searching, and so on. And that's why, actually, for me, it was e easy to find sources. And um, yes, 19 direct reports are a lot. Um, but my, I think my way of leadership is more that everybody is taking ownership and is really um, feel responsible for him or herself and his duties. And I'm more like the encourager and the one who's, um, yeah, <laughs> There for the jokes, no. Um, but actually, like motivating them and so on, and really, I think it's all about trust, also. Yeah. So I'm not at all the controlling kind kind of leader. I always think um, when you trust people, when you are open to them, um, then um, it works out. I totally agree. And so you say that that the core attributes of a successful sorcerer are there is the, the top job group job family knowledge um so the domain expertise yes and having a um, certain level of curiosity taking ownership and being proactive and yeah. um then also being good with data or at least having interest in using data and so on yeah yeah and also loving going through the social media yeah so posting mm -hmm. being a social webber of course love to build up your network. I think this is so important, especially as a sourcer, because you are, of course, sourcing for maybe one job, but still you're talking with a lot of people and you have to think, oh, maybe he or she fits also here. Or you have to remember, oh, okay, actually this one I talked three months ago fits now on this job. Yeah. So I think being good, good organized, good memory, but also, yeah, building up a good network is very important. Um, and also, I think it's important to be bold and being a good advisor to the to the recruiter or the team lead um, or to the hiring manager, because to be honest, often the, the picture of the perfect candidate, um, a sourcer has to break. Yeah, because you will never find this perfect candidate. Yeah. And already in the briefing talk, you should talk with the hiring manager, show already market analysis and showing them what is the real life out there um, before making a dream picture. And we are all looking for Barbie and Ken. Um, so it's, it's, we won't find them. Yeah. And I think this is also especially important as a sourcer. Um, yeah. Clearing expectations. Mm. And clearing expectations in what sense also, that they clear expectations with the recruiters and the hiring managers or that you clear expectations with them as a manager? 
um, them as a manager or all about actually about the profile. Yeah, because um, when you're okay. having a wish list, actually, and you really can't uh, fulfill this wish list. Yeah. Um, for example, we used to have the a sourcing um, job and they told us to find um, more than 20 IT um, um, uh, um developer and they were so we were looking for developers in Erfurt so it's in eastern Germany oh. and we said and they had to speak German all um, no English <laughs> at all and then we showed them okay and said okay I know that for you it's important to have the them in Erfurt but and you all want them to have them in the office and also not of um, um, in home office so we showed with a market analysis that actually around Erfurt in 50 kilometers, we found not much. And that was mm -hmm. good, actually, because then they changed their mind and they were thinking, okay, it's also okay to having a hub in Frankfurt and a hub in, in Berlin. And so we could fulfill, actually, this job. I think sourcing or sourcers is a highly strategic function if you do it right. Yes, uh, a lot of totally, 100% agree. They treat it more as an admin role. Yeah, you just need to send some LinkedIn messages. Yeah. Th these are the bad sourcing functions or the companies that are not strategic enough, enough from a talent acquisition perspective. Um, yes. And you can also see this, I think, in how the company, op company operates um, in terms of efficiency and effectiveness. Yes. Because there's so much potential you can discover if you understand labor markets for certain yeah. functions, right? Yeah. And especially as a sourcer, you have to understand everything. Yeah, because... I don't want to make it too small, but as a recruiter, you get when you do the normal inbound you, and you don't source, you get the application, you talk with the candidate, okay, and then he or she goes to the interview. And then actually the hiring manager is explaining the team, what it's all about, and can all answer these questions. As a sourcer, you have to pitch already at the first um talk with, with the uh, at the first talk with the candidate you have to know everything where is the train station where where are the benefits what is the team spirit what is the next project about how is the team leader and so on so this is a big picture you have to do on the other side you have to understand which keywords how do i really find this what is the stack yeah so when you're doing especially it sourcing and um, you really have to understand who are you looking for because of course javascript and java and so on there's totally different um, skill set, actually. And you have to find these kind of keywords, finding the people. And I think this is a, this is what I really love, actually, on sourcing, because you have to really deep dive to really understand the job and also understand the candidates and doing the matching. And when the candidate is there, you have to sell the candidate to the hiring manager or to the recruiter and tell why this one is the perfect candidate. Mm. Yeah, But I really follow this. This is actually really like... I think 10, 15 years ago, everybody thought, okay, like the, the like the career track looks like this. You're first in sourcing, doing a little bit LinkedIn. Then you're a big, wonderful recruiter. And then you're getting a big, wonderful HR business partner. And I don't follow this career track. I think it's all on one level. And I think um, it's important to have it like this also because it's a different kind of career and it's a different kind of skill and mindset you have as a sourcer, recruiter, or also as a HR business partner. Okay, that's interesting uh, talking about these career tracks. So I also think that sourcing can get a very senior function. I remember, yeah. I think three, four years ago, I met 
the first senior sorcerer ever in my life. It was somebody at Meta who, mm -hmm. um, I think at a, it was at a conference in Amsterdam. Mm -hmm. And he told me about all the stuff that he did and the sourcings he had to do for Meta in terms of, I think, senior data scientists and also senior okay. engineers on certain yeah. levels, that also certain sources just were qualified to work on certain roles because they need to have a certain network, they need to have yeah. a certain expertise in terms of um, how to pitch for a certain seniority and also how yeah. to kind of pre-qualify and so on. And also... The, the levels of activities, what they had in terms of targets in the whole headcount planning process that you yeah. backwards plan from these are the requisitions or the, the people that need to be onboarded at a certain time. This is what we need to um, have signed or started at a certain time. Yeah. This is what we need to sign at a certain time. And therefore, we know by each region or country um, and function what sourcing activities yeah. we need to do and how long we can um, draft the hiring process that for me was then at some point it's like wow this can get really big um, yeah totally what, what were the goals you had for sources oh actually, have still yes yes um so of course it really differs from the yeah kind of bonus system um so actually at the deutsche bahn so we didn't have a target or goal yeah it was like that we really had to defend ourselves that we don't get too many jobs yeah because as a sourcer when you have 20 25 parallel jobs forget it you can't do sourcing anymore so we really um, changed then the project and also told also our recruiters um sorry we are full yeah or special kind of jobs we can take over and some you have to source by yourself. So we also did trainings for recruiters that they don't give us too many jobs, actually, that they also source by themselves. And this is also what we are doing now at Dr. Lip is also that we have a hybrid model that you have recruiters who also source and we have sourcer who just source. Yeah, And I think this is when you have a bigger size of a company, it's good because still recruiters There are some recruiters who love sourcing, others who don't really like it so much. Um, but still, it's good to also that they have a special kind of knowledge. Having a target actually as a sourcer is more complicated because you often get more the yeah more difficult jobs. Yeah, and it always it also depends which model you have. Like at the Deutsche Bahn, and not also what we have in at Dr. Lip is that we have um, yeah like the high volume sourcing like for sales for example and there everybody has to source the recruiter and the sourcers then we have other models where we say okay there's so special roles and then it's important to have a sourcer with a special skill set for example for core service functions yeah um at the deutsche bahn we didn't have any bonus or target on it maybe it changed now but i think it, it's not um at dr lip we also have bonus for the sourcers um that they really also yeah Yeah, get a target that they also get, um, yeah, earn something when they hired someone. Yeah. But what I really love actually, what at Dr. Lip is also in the, and it was also at the Deutsche Bahn, um, a very big and very close collaboration between recruiters and sources. And it isn't about it's my candidate and your candidate or something. Um, and yeah. they are all, what's the KPIs you measure? Um, actually, they're different KPIs. So I think. The, the traditional ones are, of course, um, response um, uh, response quote um, or um, time to hire or time to source. Yeah, so it's also this, also time to fill. Also, how many candidates you were um, talking to, how many, um, yeah, how is the um, 
um, the, the quote that it's he or she, the candidates gets um, in the next uh, step. The conversion um, so rates. This, yeah, the conversion the rates. Stage. Yes, yes. So these are the, what we have at Dr. Lip. It's really cool. We have a very cool dashboard and we can really see this and really can see also what is about inbound, what is outbound, and that we really can measure and see um, how many people are really um, going through which funnel and really how is the conversion rate. In case you have any feedback or anything you want to share with me, please send me an email on thomas at peoplewise.com or hit me up on LinkedIn. And in case you really enjoy the show, please subscribe. I would really appreciate it. And do you also measure then the number of offers or hires? Yes, of course. Yeah. Actually, as a, as a source... How do you interpret it? Yeah. Yes. As a source, actually, also at the Deutsche Bahn, we, we um, measured more on the offers because at the end, uh, hiring is two-sided yeah so uh, if the candidate says no i have another um offering or i actually it's not so attractive or so the sourcer can't can't do something about it yeah but um for i think for a sourcer is more the number of offerings um more important and for the recruiter of course is more the hiring yeah um because maybe he or she can do some more about it um It's about salary and benefits and all of that. And how do you do the contract? But um, yeah, at the end, the recruiting or the recruiting, the talent acquisition team is for hiring and not all, also for offering. So we are happy about offers. But uh, of course, at the end, the hires count. Yeah. But as a source, I see it a little bit differently. And how do you see it? I see that for the sourcer, um, the KPI um, number of offers should be more important and should be more valued. Yeah. And and because you cannot really impact the, the closing of the candidate? or Yes. Because you could also interpret it in a way that you say, okay, there is a certain requirement and you should also already pre-qualify that well, that yeah. you don't even let the people through that you cannot close. But of course, sometimes... The requirements that are set are maybe not so realistic, right? So you also don't want to have to factor in that. So, yeah. Yeah. And there are so many factors, actually. Maybe the candidate thinks, oh, what a nice sourcer. And then he or she talks with the recruiter and thinks, oh, my gosh. And then sees the hiring manager and says again, oh, my gosh. Yeah. So the, the sourcer has maybe picked and found the mm. right candidate. But what happens later in the process They can't do anything about it. Yeah. They don't know if maybe the hiring manager asking this. I think the horror question for sources are when the hiring manager is asking, okay, why did you apply for this company or for this job? And the sourcer says, no, don't ask this question. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I think for the sourcer is really, of course, finding people selling this people. But at the end, what happened later in the recruiting process, They can't do anything about it. Yeah. Maybe some final tips from yourself on sales sourcing, because Dr. Lip is, I think, really sales sourcing heavy. Do you have some best practices or tips or also learnings what you made in terms of mistakes you, you don't do again? Yeah. Um, I think, first of all, is of course, working very, very closely together with the hiring managers and especially also doing the planning very well, yeah, that we are doing a realistic planning. I think this is the first step in being successfully in recruiting. So we work very close together um, with 
the yeah the sales planning team um, talking about in which um, cities it makes sense to find which sales manager and also in on what time and which yeah if it's more junior or have more has more experience so this is i think the first thing what is really important looking at the team setup and if right now is the right time to to hire here someone because when they have a, for example already a lot of new joiners then don't put again new joiners in there because they're digesting that already yeah so this is the planning is the first step. The second step is really, yeah, working very closely together with the hiring manager, understanding what do they really looking for, because especially the sales profiles are a big challenge because you can't really tell even if someone is doing sales since ten years if he or she is a good salesman or saleswoman, and um, so you really have to be very close together with the with the hiring manager giving each other feedback if this or candidate fits or not. Because often we get just get the information, are we just someone who can talk and is good in communication and has the salesy attitude? Yeah. It, it he or she doesn't have to be out of sales. Yeah. So actually it's the same what I said about sources. Yeah. So they don't need the the background of recruiting people, HR, whatever. But then as a sourcer, as a recruiter, it makes this when it's so open, also very difficult, yeah, because you really have to actually after talking with the people, then you understand what if he or she is yeah fitting for it. So this is actually this third thing what I'm saying. Be open for profiles. Don't really look only for salespeople because there are lots of people out there who are also good salesperson who are not having as a background sales. Yeah. Um, mm. The fourth thing, so this is also a sourcing tip, yeah, but it makes it more difficult, of course, yeah. Um, and the fourth tip... You cannot make, filter on that. <laughs> no, you can't, yeah. You really have to maybe see, okay, who has maybe done something in service or was maybe also before when he or she was a student working for a, a restaurant or whatever, maybe then you see or in marketing or whatever, then you can see. What I really also think is important um, for recruiting or sourcing at sales, um, really having, we have a big bunch of benefits, but of course, when you are selling or pitching for the candidate, really listening to the candidate understanding who what he or she really needs and then pitching your benefits because having the whole catalog there maybe they don't really need it actually yeah so when someone is more in sports of course you're telling them we have an urban sports club um, um uh, possibility to yeah be in every city in germany doing a sports at urban sports club or something um because when you travel a lot and so on um and also yeah, really preparing your pitching story because sales is difficult and people who like sales really differentiate also what what they are selling and why. And I think we are really lucky um, at Dr. Lip because we have a purpose. So we really want to transform the health um, system in Germany. And so that's why we can tell a good story also. So I think these are the four things what I'm, yeah, think it's really important uh, when you're doing recruiting or sourcing for sales thank you any recommendations i should interview next on a guest you know i don't know yet <laughs> um of course professor anja lüthi for example she is a good guest uh, she's a professor at um, the brandenburg uh, university and even though she's over 60 i would say she's the 
most trendy recruiting employer branding person I know. So she's really, yeah, having all the time, very cool guests at her, at her seminars for the students. So when you are a student at Professor Lutis, uh, uh, um, uh, um, how do you say, university course, then you're really lucky because then you really hear the best recruiters and sources. And of course she learns a lot of the, about it also. And she has a big, big network and knows a lot. And she's, she's also the founder of our female HR excellence network. So we were nice. at the uh, retention. Um, uh, we, we did the retention session at the RC 23 about female recruiting. I think she would be a really interesting guest. Yes. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> Okay, Charlotte, thank you very much for being my guest and I really enjoyed the sourcing deep dive. Thank you, Thomas. <laughs>